Rob and Steve here for another episode of the N64U Podcast, coming at you with high-end amateur reviews and scoring of all your favorite and unknown N64 titles. Today in episode 6, we will be reviewing a relatively unknown N64 series, Snowboard Kids. That's right, Steven. Snowboard Kids 1 and 2. I never played these games growing up, but I have been doing a lot of research into games that I haven't played that would be quote unquote hidden gems and snowboard kids came up a lot and you had been talking up this game a bunch because I know you played it growing up and I, I was just really excited to give it a try. Hidden gem is an absolute like perfect way to, exp- uh, to talk about this particular game. I, sort of came about this game randomly when I was a kid. I, I never once owned either the first or second game, but uh, one of my best friends growing up as a kid, he had it, and this was this was a game that we probably spent countless amount of hours in his basement playing, and it really was like the perfect get-together and, uh, you know, party type of game. Um, always really, really enjoyed this one. It, it, it has a big feel of a kart series racing game so i'm gonna do a lot of comparisons today as to how it relates to mario kart as i as i feel this game fits so well in line with that style of game yeah i and during in doing my research as well i i had a lot of people online comparing this game to mario kart and i i completely agree it, it borrows a lot of the same uh mechanic mechanics as well as the gameplay it it, i I can definitely see how someone would draw that comparison and and you know too to take it a step further like for me even even when we were kids i always viewed this game because i own mario kart and i own 1080 to me this game was always a cross between those two because it even it looks and feels like a like a traditional kart racing game but you do have a lot of that snowboard trick element which is fun uh which was really uh, obviously the concept of 1080 was the snowboarding game and so you it was kind of like a mashup of those two and um both game both of those games were incredible so it stands to reason that this game was just as good as well agree well uh with all that said let's get into it steve would you mind reminding our beautiful audience of the various categories in which we will discuss of course. Uh, first category is mechanics, how the game is structured. Second category is gameplay, how the game plays through that structure. Third category is difficulty, how difficult the game actually is. Is it a hard game? Is it a really easy game? Is that the type of game you really want to get into? Next category is story, which though there is a story mode in the second Snowboard Kids, uh, we really didn't feel as though this was an appropriate um, category to grade on this particular game as it is a traditional racing game then we have sound design describing how the background music and sound effects throughout the game visual presentation how good of design each course is and how good of design is each character and our last category is modern day appeal how well does this game hold up today and do you want to play this game today well thank you steven uh i guess i'll i'll get started right into mechanics here uh, the most obvious is that it's a four-player snowboard racing game where you race down the hill of nine courses, spe- specifically speaking of the first game, and you have six playable characters, one of which you can unlock, and each character has their own unique strengths. I think um, with this particular game, too, they add some interesting mechanics uh, to differentiate themselves from some of these other racing games. 
One thing that you don't see in a lot of video games for a racing game is almost like a hard stop at the end of a particular lap. So they utilize a mechanism for a lift chair feature. So every time you complete a lap in this particular game, you have to go down to the lift, get onto the lift, and have it bring you back up to the top of that same course. And then you repeat that next lap. Interesting mechanic here, as I kind of don't think we really see this in, in any, other, any other racing type game at the time, or even in current day. I agree where you don't really see it too often. However, I didn't love it. It added, especially to the first game, it added a bit of jank that I didn't really like where, you know, you're racing down and only one person can get up the lift at a time. So everyone's crashing into the the fence and hoping that they get to the lift. And if someone gets to it first, you crash into the fence and then it gets a little awkward to to find your way back onto the lift. So I wish what they did was that they had like four gates, you know, so you're going down the hill and you have four gates that you can target instead of just the one to get up on the lift. I think that would have done a, a great benefit to this game in terms of making it a little more fluid. It's, it's actually funny that um, I hear you say that you didn't really enjoy that factor for me. I actually found this feature to be one of the best features of this particular game. Though there is a little bit of a difficult element allowing one person to race up at a time, I find that it adds a great feature if you know how to use it tactically. Like, you can plant weapons right about at this lift feature that could take someone that is in first place and send them right immediately back into fourth place. This really, I think, comes with a little bit more... uh, Time put in the past. I played this game a lot in the past, so I think you kind of get used to playing in that manner where you have to cut people off. And uh, I think it can give a big advantage to someone in the back of the pack to make a big move to propel them to the front of the game. So for me, I really, really enjoyed this feature. Um, But I can definitely see a little bit of quirkiness in it purely because it's not in a traditional racing game usually. It is. I will say that it it is... Like if you're neck and neck with somebody and you're crossing the the lap marker, you know that one of you is going to get on that chair and the other one is going to crash into the fence and then have to hop your way over to the turnstile after they've gone up. So they're, they're definitely, it adds a sense of urgency and, and intensity that I did appreciate. It, it just, uh, so sometimes it was just frustrating, I guess. Maybe if I was better, then I wouldn't hate it so much. Oh, I totally understand. It can be it can be frustrating, especially when it's like when you're in first place and you're flying with a tremendous amount of speed going to the end of the race, even if in terms of not being head to head with someone. But even if you don't really see exactly where the gate is for that level, you know, at the end of each lap, they sort of have arrows pointing to where the gate is. But sometimes it's not immediately clear. So even if you end up messing up and choosing the wrong corner, you could set yourself back five minutes behind the person next to you, which can be very detrimental to the game. And I do think it adds a layer of difficulty um, here as well, which we can talk about a little bit further later. For sure. Uh, The other major mechanic is that you earn money by basically collecting coins as as you race. And you can also gain coins when you do tricks as well. And you eventually can use these coins 
uh, in the race themselves if you want to buy weapons that you can use to attack your enemies. And you can also use the coins to purchase um, upgrades to your boards and and change up your, your board color and, and things like that, which is, which is really cool. I, I appreciate the amount of customizability that this game offers. I find that this mechanic is also a, a great interesting feature because in some of these other kart racing games like Mario Kart, you sort of just are only collecting boxes throughout the lap in order to obtain your weapons. Here, by adding this coin feature, they're able to not only um, have the item boxes available as an option, but if you don't have enough money to get that item, you can't, at that portion of the race, have any sort of item available to you and can can make it more difficult to for you to win uh making these these coins so essential as you race throughout the game so it's not something you really want to ignore and it is a very very important mechanic to this race um especially by coupling with how you obtain items in this particular game i love this feature and i really thought this added a, another layer of di- difficulty to this game which which was a pleasant surprise Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, I think in the first game, if you don't have enough coins to get a weapon and you try to crash into the, is it, what is it? A snowman? What is it that? It's like, it's like a snowman box kind of thing. Like it kind of like grows out of the, it's like an item, but I call it an item box, but it's like a snowman box that pops out of the ground. Yeah. So, so I'm pretty sure if you don't have enough coins and you try to crash into it to, uh, get your item it actually like it's like crashing into a wall like it impedes you this to me was actually the only difference between snow snowboard kid kids one and snowboard kids two ultimately i think the way rob and i are really talking about this series i think we're directing most of our commentary generally towards the second game purely because both these games are kind of just built off of one another and more or less are the same game. This feature that Rob has brought up about crashing into the item box and actually stopping all of your momentum is really the only difference. And to be honest with you, I do think it's a positive that they eliminated this going into the second game overall, though it is an interesting uh, additional difficulty in the first game. Uh, But I do find it more annoying than fun. So I'm kind of glad they got rid of it going into the second game. One major upgrade, speaking of, for the second game is that the game gives you the option to save to the N64 memory. In the first game, you have to use a controller pack to save, and that could be... I, I know for me, it's a it's a huge turnoff. I don't really want to go fumbling with controller packs and, and things like that. It's it's nice to just be able to save, and, and that's it, you know? That is a big... That's a big plus, honestly, in the second game. Yeah, it's it's a major uh, it's a major deterrent and would make me gravitate more automatically towards picking the second game over the the first. Yeah, I think I think those two factors really are the big differentiators of the first and second and ultimately making the second game the more superior game that and a, a, and a few additional characters. I believe in the first game, you could only do just the f- same four characters every race where I think in the second they had six in total. Yeah, and, and of course we we'd be remiss to not mention the um, the story mode. Is that what it was called? And in, in yeah, the uh, story mode in in the second game, uh, where it gives you uh, this huge hub world. Basically, I, I, calling it a story mode, I think, is a bit generous. Um, it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a bit misleading because there really is no story attached. There's like small cutscenes here and there, but. 
mainly uh, it, it's really uh, it's it really like it, it just gives you a hub world that you mm-hmm. can you can walk around in. So you actually have free reign of your character to go visit all these various different areas within the hub world. Like there's a um, internet cafe, which gives you uh, gives you helpful tips and talk about a relic of the past. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's it's a product of its time for sure. Yeah, so I I really think yeah overall that little hub world and everything it, it it isn't too much different than a traditional like racing circuit setup you'd see in a lot of other racing games. So I think that's kind of why the story mode isn't anything to ride home about. One element though that is a little different is they do offer in the second in the second snowboard kids. Um, they call them boss fights or boss races. If you beat certain levels and get first place, you basically have to do a particular task to um, complete the next level and maybe unlock the next map. So like one of the first ones you do is you actually have to like fight a snowman on another snowboard. So not only do you have to beat him in the race, you also have to hit him, you know, 10 times with weapons um, before he's considered defeated. So they have little features like that that are a little bit interesting. I don't think this game necessarily needed those boss features to be any more fun than it was i was perfectly content with just the standard racing circuit in this quote-unquote story mode yeah speaking of adding more to the uh variety of of the game itself they they offer various different in both games they offer various different game modes like uh there's the time attack to see how quickly you can complete a lap or uh, in the first game is shot game where you're shooting like these (laughs) ballistic missiles at helpless snowman as you race down the as as you race down the mountain and then they have trick modes where you the whole purpose is to rack up as many tricks on half pipes and the racing isn't is secondary so they i i gotta say i i appreciate all of the variety that that both of these games brought to the table one thing to say about this too is i don't think at any point in time in the way they set this game up they don't they don't try to overdo it they kind of keep it fairly simple even in terms of how you complete tricks and everything like that and i actually think that's a huge plus here i think if they overthought it or tried to do too much this game wouldn't nearly have been as fun well, yeah, that's a, a classic pitfall for so many games where they they have this grand view of what they want to accomplish. And sometimes they can, but especially when you're trying to do something that's never been done before, it it ultimately can fall flat if you're not able to execute. Completely agree. Rob, do you have any more uh, mechanic items that you want to talk about, or would you like to move on to gameplay? No, I think that's it. Let's move on to gameplay. Awesome. So one of the things that Rob and I keep on talking about so far um, for this game is its comparison to Mario Kart. And honestly, for the gameplay here, top to bottom, this game falls directly in line with the Diddy Kong Racing and Mario Kart style racing games. You can't really call it a kart game purely because they're racing on snowboards, but fundamentally that is how the game is played. And I think speaking of this game, that's the best way to do it. And really, how did this game differentiate itself from these other great games such as Mario Kart? Uh, Rob, would you like to start off? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I guess 
one of my favorite aspects of the game was the was the tricks. I liked that they added those in, and the tricks are kind of basic. I wouldn't; they're not too much to write home about. But it's really fun during the game to have like an extra thing to to do a little bit of variety to keep the race more fun. You know, when you're playing Mario Kart, you, you know, of course you have your weapons, and that's here in Snowboard Kids as well. But you know, you're really you're really just racing, and maybe there's a little bit of course. Uh, Maybe the course is interacting with the race a little bit, but uh, the tricks were a fun way to uh, f- keep things a little more, uh, you know, shake things up a little bit. Plus, you need them to to buy weapons. And in terms of gameplay, the tricks also give you the added benefit of building speed and momentum as you race. The more tricks you perform consecutively you'll actually notice an increased speed on your character. So if you get a cycle of like three to six solid tricks without getting hit by something or, you know, falling on your own accord by something you hit in the map, you will actually notice an increased speed for your character. So I do think in terms of gameplay, it gives that trick element, though simple, um, it makes it an important feature. And, you know, one of the only things that I didn't, I would say overall, I see Snowboard Kids 2 as the superior game. It just has a lot more Agreed. polish and was was better executed. But I think the tricks are better in the first game. I found them more fun. I like that you can hold your grabs in the second game. They take that out. And they also take away the... Uh, in the first game, every character has a special trick. With You use a certain button combination to do their special trick. And in the second game, they take that away too. So I'd say if there's anything that really jumps out at me as a a benefit of playing the first over the second is that I think they executed the tricks a little bit better. So that's a pretty good point because, you know, I didn't even really think of it all that much, but you're right. I, I can't think of any specialty moves that any individual character gets um, in the second one. So, yeah, that's a, that, I would say that would be one of the few downgrades from the first to the second that actually happened here. In terms of the gameplay just speaking of it generally is that for me having not played the game growing up and coming in cold i found that this game wasn't as pick up and play as some races are you know just to take the the mario kart example like you can pick up mario kart and basically play it you're probably not going to be good but you you can play it I found myself really fumbling through the controls at first until I went and I took the, there's like a, a training mode. I think both games have one. And the the training mode allowed me to really understand what the game was going for. And from then on, the controls were great, very in, intuitive and after you've taken that training and overall really tight for both games. So I, I recommend, uh, ultimately, I'm going to recommend this game to people but I, I will say if you haven't played it before, I, I recommend getting in that training because honestly, it, it was, it was a, a huge game changer for me. I think that's such a fantastic point, honestly, because though I played this game years and years ago and I played this for tons of tons of hours, it's been 15 years probably since I've actually played this game. And 
picking this back up in today's day and age, it took me like a good hour or two hours to really get like, I, I, I opted not to go the training piece because I wanted to see how much I could pick up from what I remembered as a kid. And it took me quite a bit of time to actually pick up the controls and really remember what I was doing. So even though I played this a ton in the past, I actually experienced the same issues that Rob did in terms of playability. So I, I would definitely say that if you are going to pick up this game and it is worth it to, to actually try, um, it is a good option to actually do the training mode first because I think getting a basic understanding of what the controls are is vastly important because it's not self-explanatory, um, especially if you've never played it before. That's true. Don't be like Steve and skip the training. Steve's that's a classic man, Steve. I go at it head first. <laughs> <laughs> Always. I, <laughs> I appreciate that about you, Steve. Another huge factor in the gameplay here with Snowboard Kids and a great differentiator between Snowboard Kids and Mario Kart is actually how they place the items throughout the map. These items appear two at a time. You typically, once in a great while, you might see three at any given spot, which makes them more difficult for any one individual player to get. And to add in the fact that you also need money to obtain these particular items, it is much more on the rare side that you actually obtain the item than it is that you're guaranteed to get one every time they pop up, which makes these so much more valuable in the gameplay, um, also considering you only have four players to use them on. Uh, adds a little bit level of uh, higher urgency to get each item as they come up. Yeah, that's true. As you're going down, I feel like I rarely see more than two item blocks at once, so... You got to make sure that you're, you know, if you're neck and neck with somebody, only one of you is getting an item and the items are really effective in this game. So you don't want to be the person who, who doesn't get it. And another great thing too, with them that, uh, makes this game unique is that items, you're not handicapped by being in first place on the type of items that you get. You play Mario Kart. If you're in first or second place, you're going to get bananas and you're going to get, um, simple like green shells at most. If you're playing this game, you're just as likely to get one of the more powerful items in first place as you are in last place. And I think that does really add importance to being the one to get to the item first before the person next to you. Because if you're in for first, you're really rewarded, um, truthfully, still with a decent item. Can you get that cake pan thing? I, I don't know what it is. Is it a cake pan? So you know in the first about? game, there is, it's a coin in the second, it's a, in the second game, they don't say outright what it is, but my belief, it looks like a, like a weight, like a free weight you'd see at a gym. And they like, basically that's one of your top items that you could get. And it will flatten all other players for a period of probably five to seven seconds. Um, I do think that might be one of the only items that you cannot get in first place and they actually do replace it with a rock and a rock is the same concept of what the banana peel is in the first game that really is the only item that they might throttle down other than that you can pretty much get every other item while still in first place i was gonna say because i don't recall i I spent not to brag, but I spent a lot of time in first place and I don't, I don't recall getting <laughs> I don't recall getting the, the I'm just going to call it a cake pan because I, I think that's what it is. <laughs> I, I got to say, I didn't love that item. Basically, it's a little you know, unfair. 
Yeah, as you said, it you just press it and there's basically nothing you can do, right? You just get hit by it and it crushes you and then you're immobilized. And what I didn't like about it is that it really grinds the pacing of the race to a halt, a game which I feel like has a really good, fast, intense pace. Then you're all of a sudden getting hit by the cake pan and it's like, all right, well, I'm just going to sit here for five seconds now before I can start going again. I would agree. That's the only weapon that they really introduce, I think, that kind of throws the game off a little bit. It definitely does decrease the pace because you could be mid-jump and you can still get hit with that and it cuts you off halfway through a jump in midair. And I think it's completely unfair because if you get stuck in the middle of a jump, it really does completely cut you off at the knees in terms of that particular race because... With this race, race with this particular game, each lap you pretty much need to play above average in order to do well. Yeah, it, it's it's true, and it it's it is a nice strategy if you have that cake pan and you're about to go off a jump, you can cake pan somebody right before they're about to go off the jump, and then they they sadly just fall off the cliff and that you can do that sort of thing especially i'm thinking uh wario stadium and mario kart 64 that is exactly going what i was thinking jump, hit them hit them with the lightning bolt right as they're about to go off of that and it completely they lost the race there's no recovering from that at that point it's basically a spot-on comparison i think uh because not only do you Unlike with uh, Wario Stadium, where you get like just further back on the map, this like drops you off where like you have to get like pulled back up and recovered. So it's like not only did you get the delay from getting pancaked, you also have the delay from them resetting you. Um, so it's a little bit unfair. I think that's the only item that really skews the gameplay. And that even goes into the fact that they don't give it to you in first place, because I think that, you know, it's very easily abused. Yeah, if they were giving that to people in first place, it would be... It, w- it would just be uh, anarchy. Completely. Overall, in terms of the items, and speaking of Mario Kart, I, I would say the the items are are pretty interesting. You know, you can throw snowballs at people. Pretty pretty on point stuff for for snowboarding games. I, I'll say that the items are not very. They're not as iconic by any means, like the shells and the bananas. They're just like everybody, everybody knows those power ups. They're they're so burned into our brains from the Mario Kart franchise. So I'd say what the only although the items are effective and enjoyable to use within the game, like right now, I'm trying to think of what items are in the game. And the only thing I could think of was was snowballs. I can't. And of course, the aforementioned cake pan so i actually think you're you're spot on there i think that's the greatest weakness of this game and probably a big factor in why it didn't get that much popularity because you're right like it's like a snowman weapon you have like a punching fist weapon and you have a pebble so there's not exactly like this real like memorable book of items like ooh, i just got nailed by a red shell or a blue shell or you know and i actually think that is the greatest weakness of this particular game there's really no memorability in terms of the weapons and it's such an important factor of the game which is which ultimately is a drawback oh and, and one thing i almost forgot speaking of the weapons is you can hold two of them there's kind of like an attack weapon slot and there's a defensive weapons slot so 
that that kind of comes into the strategy a little bit. One one type of weapon is red and the other is blue. So like if you already have a red item and you run into another red spot, then it's just going to replace the item you have. And if you have a so so say say you're going down the the mountain, you have a red red item, but your blue item slot is empty. You want to make sure you hit the blue item so that you can get you can get the defense. I think the blue is def- defensive. The blue to me is is, is defensive and uh, also offers like boost options. Like it might give you a rocket or a fan to speed you up. So it's like uh, defensive right, or yeah. self propelling items. Right. So so there's definitely some fun strategy there, and I appreciate that they broke that up into two, especially, you know, sometimes you have to pick, do you say you have no items, you have to pick if you want an offensive or a defensive item and say you have someone who's right in front of you, you you get to make that choice. Like, do I want to go for a missile type uh, projectile or do I want to go for something like a fan that, or like a rocket that can propel you and make you go faster. So it gives you it gives you more of a choice as opposed to Mario Kart where you you kind of have to you're 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 given what you're given. Add in the factor too that you're spending money on these particular items. So like if, if you're making that decision and it's your last hundred hundred coins where it costs a hundred coins to get a weapon, you better make sure you're picking the right one because you're not gonna have money for that next um pair of item boxes that come up so that item becomes that much more valuable to you it's very true uh let's move on to difficulty rob uh for you was this a more difficult game and did you enjoy um the difficult levy that level t level that you found this game at i think that this game is the perfect example of a fair challenge you just have to practice the courses master the controls upgrade your boards and all of that which is I think totally fair. The only thing that I'll say, which I mentioned before, is that because the game's not really... The controls, I don't think, are very intuitive without playing a lot or uh, doing the the training mode. I'd say that overall, that would be the only reason why I'd, I'd rate the difficulty a little bit lower in terms of my out of five score is is just because it's not as pick up and play as some other racers but overall once you get a hang of the controls the the game is is totally fair i actually i find that the controls are a piece of the difficulty with this particular game even in terms of once you do have have a hang of the controls uh when do you crouch and gain speed by holding A versus when do you release A, go slower so you can turn better? So I do actually think uh, the controls here are, are, are an important piece of the difficulty of this particular game. Definitely not at first is that fun. I think you really do have to spend some time in this game and really get a handle for the controllers. And once you kind of get beyond that challenge, I think the game itself offers higher difficulty kart style racing game uh challenge and overall for me i loved it because i did feel like in general the past when i had played mario kart more often than not i can very easily be in the top three usually get first place and win very easily for this game i might have to go at it four or five times because any one mistake on any one lap can cost you the whole race. And I think that element of difficulty to me in a racing game is so much fun. Um, 
and it's important that they add feet. They've added features in this game to kind of account for that. Like you can, in the middle of a race, just immediately re- pause it and retry because if you're facing one particular challenge and you get blown up and you know, there's not a shot in hell in the next 10 minutes of the race that you're going to actually catch up. You can just retry and, um, keeps you, uh, able to continue to replay that game at a higher difficulty. So for me, I really enjoyed it. That's a, that's a really good point. It- the the game has so many nuances in it there's so much strategy and i think in that sense when when you think of a typical kart racer a lot of the time you're just holding acceleration and you know drifting around corners and shooting people with your items and that's it and in snowboard kids like you said you have to make sure you crouch at the right time before you jump you have to go you have to crouch and if you do it too early then you're going cuz you lose speed dramatically uh you won't go off the jump as far as you need to you might fall off into a uh fall off a cliff or something like that and you you know you got to time that you have to get the right weapons that suit your situation you have to avoid uh, you know, like a lot of courses will have rocks that come and fall down on you. You gotta, you really have to master a lot more. And there are so many more nuances that you have to account for that I think make this game more difficult, but in a way that is incredibly re- rewarding. I agree. The difficulty here is so much higher than that of the other kart racer games, but it is a lot more rewarding. And for me, a lot more enjoyable. I actually would put this game ahead of Mario Kart in terms of um, enjoyability purely because it's much more difficult. I do think there is real strategy in this game where Mario Kart and Diddy Kong Racing, I think there's a lot less strategy because even in terms of how you use your weapons, there can be an added difficulty of if someone hits me with a weapon when I'm on a flat piece of ground, They truly take this in the mindset of a snowboard game that in reality, if you're snowboarding and you stop on flat ground, you're not going to be able to just pick up and go. You're going to actually have to be, you have to hop around a little bit to start gaining momentum again. So I think those are features that are unique to this game. Add a layer of why I think this game is a combination of 1080 and Mario Kart, because these elements here that make the game more difficult are almost aimed at making it more snowboard front than it is cart front. And uh, for those reasons, I think it makes the game more hard, more difficult, and more interesting and more of a fun challenge. You know, Steve, I'd hate to admit it because this is probably going to get us N64 canceled, but I, I feel like Snowboard Kids is the superior experience to Mario Kart. I, I, it, it really... I'm looking forward to just getting the, getting the boys together and I I really, you know, playing the computers is fine, but I want to get the boys together and, uh, snowboard with some kids. I, I I really am interested to see how the experience, cause I'm fantasizing about it in my mind and I feel like it will be more fun than playing Mario Kart. And maybe that's partially because, you know, we've all been playing Mario Kart with each other since we were kids and maybe it's just stale, but I think that legitimately when you step back and take a look at it from a analytical perspective, I, I think that it's superior. I couldn't agree more. To me, I played this a ton as a kid with friends, and this game at the time 
was the superior game over Mario Kart. It always was because it was more challenging. There was multi-layer factors to the items. You know, you could carry more than one item. You actually had course influenced issues such as flat ground or, you know, you might have to go through a river where you can only go through it quickly as if you grind properly on the rail as opposed to actually trying to go through the icy water patch. So to me, this game was always more fun. Um, I actually got my wife to play with me a little bit on this run through because though I definitely enjoyed playing the story mode to unlock the stuff because I do think it is necessary to unlock the better boards and the better maps to enjoy this game more fully in a versus environment. And, um, even she loved it and she's she's never played this game before you know she was watching me play this individually because i was talking up i was like oh the best way to play this is with multiple people and even her sitting with me watching it she's like wow this really does look like mario kart and she was into the idea of playing it and she enjoyed it and uh i really think that can speak to the fact that this is the superior game of the two i can already smell the torches burning as angry 90s kids march towards our collective households. Oh, man, I love it. And I, I will, I'll stand by that judgment 10 times out of 10. I do think one of the reasons why it didn't gain the popularity really is to the point you mentioned earlier about the items. There is absolutely nothing iconic about the items, though they're done brilliantly. The execution is, is, is flawless in my mind. I just think that they really didn't have anything iconic to really have the player grab onto to say, oh, that is just so cool, I got a star. It's like in Mario Kart, you get the star, you're going to go up to the front of the race. There's nothing like that. The best they have, the equivalent is, oh, I got a rocket attached to my ass. Let's finish the race. Yeah, it, it, they definitely could have used a, a little bit more iconicness to to the items. And I got to say, Steve, if, if, the, if the angry villagers tie me up to the stake, I'm probably going to change my mind and, and go with Mario Kart, just so you know. I'm, I'm not going to die on this ship. This is the hill I will die on, and I stand <laughs> by this recommendation 10 out of 10. <laughs> and I know when, eventually when we get to rating Mario Kart, I just know deep down I'm going to have snowboard kids rated higher. Oh, damn. Well, I can't wait to that episode, and I can't wait to, to hear all the uh, the controversy. And getting into another uh, important category for us is visual presentation. Bob, what did you actually think of the visuals in this particular game? The game itself, I would say, looks decent. Uh, it definitely doesn't look bad. They achieved a very specific art style that I think is really original. And uh, it, it, it really, I don't see other games that borrow this style I think overall the game doesn't look amazing, but they did a great job at executing the type of world that they were trying to create. I think their execution for the time in their visuals is is pretty spot on. Um, I also believe this sort of fits as a game that's par for the course in terms of how N64 games have transitioned visually from the 90s and early 2000s to today. In general, we know that most of the N64 games are very uh, jagged in terms of their visuals, and I do sort of believe that that's how this game sort of falls in line and as 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 it appears today. So for me, there was really nothing to ride home about in terms of uniqueness. Uh, if anything, it mostly fit the bill for your average N64 game in 2022. 
Yeah, I, I think that the one thing the game has going for it, and I think this goes for a lot of the N64 games, is that a lot of the more cartoony stuff, I think, aged a little bit better just because. Yes, definitely agree. If you're trying to do, it's like what we were saying earlier. If you try to do too much and you're trying to create this hyper realistic game, you know, you're you're putting a lot of effort into that, and it's it's just, especially from this era, it's just not going to age super well. So I think by doing the kind of cartoony design, it it at the time maybe didn't seem as uh, exciting or appealing, but I think playing it today, it it definitely aged a little bit better. I do think that was an important factor back then. Um, I think a lot of people who, um, a lot of people were trying to make everything look realistic back then, but I agree. I think that ultimately aged poorly because there were so many upgrades over the years in that area. So the cartoon stuff, similar to like Paper Mario, they just hold up a little bit better purely because they weren't going for anything like in the realm of reality. Right. And and speaking of, one of the aspects of this game visually that I think is where this game really shined was the the courses. Speaking of creativity, uh, especially in the second game, the the first game, you know, the, the courses have their personality and all of that. But in the second game, they get really creative. There's like one course where when you go through the turnstile to go up the lift, instead of riding a lift, you go up on the back of a turtle, which is just nonsensical. But it's it's like an interesting little creative tidbit. Side note, that is probably my least favorite level in all in both of these games, the turtle one. <laughs> I don't I don't even remember what level it is, but the turtle, you know, because of how outlandish it is, it's it's what I, I'm thinking of right now, you know. It, it, it's funny talking even about this turtle, this particular level with the ridiculousness of the turtle. It kind of reminds me, I don't know if you ever played this game, and to be honest with you, I don't even know what system it was on, but I used to play this game Micro Machines, where you do like these mini car races on like weird environments, like on the top of a pool table. And I kind of feel like snowboard kids almost had a little bit of that because, you know, they have a beach level where you're racing through water and you're on a back of a turtle and they have another level where it's like you're shrunken down and you're racing on the top of a piano. So like they have a little bit of that ridiculousness in it, which makes it, makes it fun visually. I will say that, uh, if it hasn't become abundantly obvious yet, you're not always snowboarding on snow. They just have you snowboarding down like through a jungle as if that was possible. There's such thing as sand snowboarding, Rob. That's real. <laughs> yeah, I, I, guess, I guess you're right. So yeah, so over so, snowboarding through the castle and the house, it totally makes sense. I'm going to, I'll back off. Good, good. You should because it was done beautifully. I, I agree. <laughs> but... Visually, overall, this was a good game. Very enjoyable. I think it held up, you know, just about the same as any other game, you know, re realistically, but 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 still done well for its time. Uh, next category for us is the sound design. Um, Rob, if you mind, I, I wouldn't mind jumping into this one first, but for me, I actually really, really enjoyed the sound for this. Not so much in the fact that, like, the music for each level was fantastic, I think they did the perfect job of truly making unmemorable, non-annoying background music. You know, it was typical, good, fast-paced racing music that's forgettable and also not annoying when doing the same race and level over and over again. I think for me in a lot of these type of games where you're going to spend 
lot of time on any particular level because let's say you keep on losing one after another and you have to race the same snowman 15 times i don't want to hear a song that's going to really ingrain in my brain and make me hate myself um i think they do a great job of making it background without being annoying but it's still a fast-paced sound yeah i really liked the soundtrack it's very upbeat it's very whimsical whimsical that's a great word it it's it's just really it's really happy you know, it gets the endorphins going while you're racing down the the jungle, which is something that totally makes sense. And it, when I, I noticed when I was looking online, because I love to see what other people's opinions are of, of the games that we review and the general vibe. And everyone is always raving about the soundtrack. And I, I understand why. Uh, I think the soundtrack was even released in CD form for people to purchase. And uh, in the second game, they have that internet cafe and you can unlock the sound tracks as you, as you play new courses and you can go back and listen to them. So you can definitely tell that the sound design was something that was really important to the uh, developers of this game. It felt very well thought out. Like for me, I think the most important thing, especially loving racing games, I think making something that isn't annoying in a racing game is very difficult to do and very important. So it does feel like they were very thoughtful in how they designed the sounds, not just the background music, but even the in-game playing sounds, such as hitting someone successfully with a weapon. It's, you know, that classic like, yahoo type of sound or whatever it is every time you hit someone successfully so i do i do like that a lot as well yeah it's it's pretty easy especially for games of this era to have really repetitive and annoying sound design within the game itself in terms of the like sounds the characters make and all of that and i i gotta say this game doesn't have any of that and i i do appreciate that definitely All right, so let's move on to our last category of modern appeal. I know we've spoken a little bit about this prior, but uh, Rob, how do you feel that this game held up today, and did you enjoy it? Would you recommend people to play this now? So, yeah, I I 100% recommend this game. It's it's a decent-looking and great-sounding game. It's really fast-paced. It's super easy to get uh, absorbed in your your race. it's not as pick up and play as other racers, but with a little bit of training, it be, the controls become a lot more intuitive. Uh, the, the only thing I, I'd say that is a negative, which I mentioned earlier for the first game, is you need a controller pack to save, which can be a, a turnoff to some people. But if you if you emulate your games, then that problem goes away. I. I- I'm on the same side as you with this one. I think this game is an incredible game that is definitely playable in today's day and age. Not a pick-up-and-play game by any means, but if you're someone that likes racing games, you'll be able to figure it out even without the tutorial. However, I would definitely push people towards trying that first, despite me not having done that myself. I think that this game is best played in a group, which nowadays we know is incredibly difficult to get together and actually sit in the same house and play a game. But if ever given the opportunity, this is a perfect party game for you and four of your friends to sit down and play together. And I think it would have just as much fun now as I did when I was a kid doing doing that same thing. One thing I'd like to say, which I forgot to mention earlier, speaking of the the cafe, uh I mentioned earlier that the cafe tracks your unlockables 
and you can unlock a crap ton of stuff in this game between all the different core sounds and the different boards and characters and things like that. And all of that is tracked, which adds, you know, for those who are really into 100% runs or speed runs, the fact that they have these unlockables that are tracked adds a ton of replay value to this game. So that's that's a big positive for uh, the second game in particular. That's that's an excellent point. For people into the collectibles feature, I think that's a fantastic uh idea which you don't really see in a lot of racing games honestly it's true and and uh as we said earlier this this series has been compared favorably to mario kart and uh we at the n64u podcast completely agree officially i'm glad to hear you say that rob i'm i'm happy to see you come to the dark side And uh, so, Rob, let's get into now the final score of this game. What did your score rank in overall for Snowboard Kids 1 and Snowboard Kids 2? Yeah, so if I were to make an aggregate score of both games, uh, I I really enjoyed them them both. And, you know, they didn't try to be too, they, they didn't try to be more than they needed to be. I ultimately rated this game at 3.8 out of 5. For me, there definitely is a little bit of a nostalgia factor, but I rated this game a slightly higher 4.2. Now, I would say the biggest reasons for me for rating it a little bit higher than Rob here uh, actually revolves around the difficulty in gameplay. I think that this game nailed it in difficulty, and it's the first game we've played in the N64U podcast that I've actually um, rated as a perfect score for difficulty. So... um, very hard game, very fun, and I think that's the differ, dif- difference between this and other kart games. And um, I gave this one a 4.2. That gives us a total score of 4.0 being the official N64U score for Snowboard Kids 1 and 2. Very nice. I think that, that, I think that score is very appropriate for this game. It's, it's really... I I was shocked to see how great it was, and I highly recommend, you know, if you're tired of playing Mario Kart or Diddy Kong Racing, I, I highly recommend checking this one out to shake things up, and I think you might be surprised at how much you like it. Definitely. A game worthy to play today and and, and more fun than you can, can, can have with uh, these other kart racers, I would say. And with that, we've reached the end of another episode of the N64U Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like us on Facebook via our N64U, a retro gaming podcast page, or follow us on Instagram for all of our latest updates and announcements. And don't forget to subscribe and rate slash review us on your favorite podcasting app, which will keep you up to date on our latest episodes and help us reach more lovely people such as yourself. And if you have any questions or comments, please shoot us an email at n64upodcast at gmail.com and we'll read it out on the show. This is Robin C. Steve signing off from your home for all things N64 here at the N64U Podcast. Thanks for listening. I want to get the boys together and uh, snowboard with some kids because I'm fantasizing about it in my mind.